All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode four of Ecclesia at the Gate podcast. Uh, it's been a little while since we recorded. We had some technical difficulties. Technical. Very technical, technical difficulties. Our non-Apple computer <laughs> broke. And uh, we couldn't, re- I don't know what happened to it. We had to replace, what was it, the, mother- the motherboard? Motherboard. They sent right. HP, or Dale, I'm sorry. Dale sent a representative to the house. Okay, it was serious. actually change the motherboard in my living room. I, I couldn't believe what was going on. And so. then that was fixed. Then that was fixed. But then, after okay. that was fixed. But then he couldn't get it, the OS to start. Right. So. Anyways, long story short, it's been a little while since we recorded the last episode. But here we are, episode four. And today we're talking about immigration. So we're going we're gonna to gonna see what the scriptures has to say about immigration. What should be, our, as Christians, our reaction to immigration? What is the biblical reaction? What is... You know, what does the Bible has to say anything about immigration, et cetera. So we're going to get a little bit into that um, today. So episode four, immigration. Let's go. Let's go. So how, how are we going to start? This topic is... Um, controversial. Controversial topic. Uh, Makes people angry. Very, very emotional topic. Uh, even yes. amongst friends, amongst people you can normally have normal conversation with, this, this topic has seemed to be uh, very, very emotional dri- emotionally driven. Um, which is why we're talking about it. Which is why we're talking about it. Might, might as well. That's I will we say, I will say that as a human and as I grow uh, from this word, scriptures, maturity, experiences, my view on this topic has changed over the years okay. uh, from way back until where I am to now. I think I'm in a, uh, a better position when it comes to the topic. I think where I am today is a little more aligned with the scriptures than I was uh, years and years and years and years ago. So right. just, just, I don't know why I said it, but that's just what's up. Okay. <laughs> So where do you want to start? I mean, there's so many places to start with this. Um, we can start with a little history. Immigrate. We start with definitions. Definitions are also good. It's good to use definitions to know when we say something, what we mean. For instance, um, what immigration is and what's the difference inside of immigration. How you have different types. You have uh, uh, asylum seekers. Um, right. You have refugees. Uh, and you have... Um, I guess the general term, migrants, people who are uh, looking for a better life, trying to put themselves in a better position, not necessarily escaping war-torn zones, like uh, someone seeking asylum or uh, or someone seeking a refugee, like in a war-torn zone and, you know, they tear a country up, we got to get out of here. Or seeking asylum, I'm in trouble, there's some things that's going on, Uh, somebody said they're going to kill me and my family, Uh, I I need uh, need to get away. Uh, and then someone just saying, hey, you know, from where I am now, struggling, America's a land of opportunities. I could just get there. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. New York, New York. Uh, uh, so there, there are different types. And I think one of the problems 
in this discussion is the massive generalities, generalities that are used, or, or generalizations that are used uh, in discussion, in this discussion. All, all of them, everybody, you know, and, and, and lumping each one of those different types into one big class and then making these broad statements uh, across the board. I think that's one of the problems uh, when it comes to this discussion that I've seen. Well, I think immigration is, is the act of just simply moving to another mm -hmm. place. Now, the reasons, you know, there's different reasons. There's, there's political reasons. There's, you know, like you say, asylum seekers. There's people just for economic reasons. There's people, there's like different reasons some people are escaping certain types of governments, et cetera, or persecution and whatnot. But I think immigration in general is just simply the act of moving from one place across the border to another place. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes that, that could be done, like in the United States, there's people, you know, immigrating, for example, from New York to Florida. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of people moving from New York down to Florida. After um, Hurricane Katrina, people right. immigrating from New Orleans to right. Houston, Florida. We even called those refugees for a while. There. For a while, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, so immigration is just simply the act of getting up and moving to another place. But all these, you know, in our time, it has that connotation of from one place to a foreign place. So you're moving across a boundary from one country to the other. Basically, that would be an immigrant is somebody who has left their country to another country. Mm -hmm. Typically, in our day and age, that would be the connotation. So, of course, like you say, there may be different reasons for that. You know, there may be different reasons as to why people leave one place for the other. So, but I say the definition would be just simply that it's just okay. moving from one country to the other. That would be an immigrant. So emigration would be when you, it's the act of leaving. Immigration is when you are coming in and emigration is when you're leaving out. Mm -hmm. So, so Migration. that would be the definition. Okay. So, yeah. So across, across history, let's, let's talk about it. This even, you know, we got across the country. We can talk about this specifically our country with migration, um, uh, started, I think, um, the first peoples that came to what we call North America. I think I read somewhere that they came across some landmass up in the Arctic and, and, and came right. over here many, many, many years ago. I forgot what their, their name was, um, but who, who eventually turned to be what we refer to now as uh, the, the, the indigenous, indigenous uh, um, Native American people. Well, in immigration, just the act of peoples moving right, right. across places. Right. Uh, goes way beyond, way before the United States. Yes. It's, it's pretty much the history of the Bible, right? The planet, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so if you take the Bibles, you know, at face value, then you know that humanity started out in one place and then spread it out to Sorry. the rest of, you know, the planet. Right, Um right. So, so it's the history of our planet, people moving from place to place to place to place, settling, being there for a while and moving, settling, etc. And so you go to the story of the Bible and you look at 
Abraham, he's told to get up and move to another land, which was mm -hmm. essentially to him foreign land. So Abraham, who in our day would be an Iraqi because that's where he was at in Iraq, modern day Iraq. So he goes to this land that God showed him, which is the land that we would call, you know, that went on to be called Israel. Um, and so he went and he settled there. And then and then the people of Israel eventually were dispersed. So they settled in different places, etc. And so we we have in, in in the in the history of mankind the idea of people just moving from place to place, settling in different places, um, settlements, you know, whatnot, pilgrimages, people moving. It's basically the story of the planet. Right. Right. Now, because of the the sinfulness of man, along with that came something we called um, colonizing and invading. And conquering. Mm -hmm. And so you also have as part of the history of mankind conquest, right? People raise up an army, go across a couple of borders, settle the land, you know, conquer the land, kill a bunch of people, claim it for themselves. I like this place. This is gonna right. be my place now. <laughs> yeah. This is this is my place. Yeah. So that was done throughout history, and empires were born out of that, right? So the Roman Empire basically was that. It's just they expanded. Mm -hmm. amongst their border all over the place um, but the Romans did something that was I don't want to say unique but they were kind of like they perfected this idea because before them uh, the, right. the Greeks had done it the, the Greeks had done Babylonians it, yeah. the Persians right. the Medes so it was a continual right. thing so, until we get to these Roman guys yeah the Greeks <laughs> did it a little bit different the Greeks right. did it they did it obviously through military invasion. Mm -hmm. But then they also did it through culture. Mm -hmm. That's where the Greeks were unique. They basically spread it throughout the world and then they started, you know, giving people sort of what they call Hellenizing people, which mm -hmm. was, you know, you, you speak Greek now, you adhere to our cultural norms, et cetera. Et cetera. So when the Romans right. come around, so the Romans kind of took over Greece they did both. So they were kind of like a military, you know, whatever, empire that had this military control. But they also had cultural influence right. that expanded through all, all these places. Mm -hmm. And so if you were within the Roman Empire, the Romans came up with this thing, which was, they didn't come up with it, but they used it to keep themselves as an empire called citizenship. You know, the idea of you being a Roman citizen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could be a Roman citizen. You have certain protections, you have certain rights, etc. It doesn't matter where you were from. You could have been whatever, black or white or whatever. If you were a Roman citizen, you have protections, etc. Now, we see this in the Bible when the Apostle Paul is arrested, mm -hmm. you know, and he's he's... I guess he's shoved around a little bit, right? He's roughing up a little <laughs> bit. And so he tells the guards, he's like... Is this lawful to do to a Roman citizen? Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, ooh, ooh, wait a minute, hold up. I guess even in the Romans were not bad enough to know that you don't <laughs> slap around a citizen. Not a, you know? not a Roman citizen. So, not a Roman um, citizen. You know, and the guard tells him, you know, I, I, it, it cost me a lot for me to buy this or, or mm -hmm. gain this citizenship. And Paul is like, well, I had it from birth. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I want to go and see Caesar. So, you know, he's appealing to that. But anyways... Um, after the Roman Empire falls, 
the history of Europe is just a history of people moving from place to place and place to place and place to place. So if you want to go to the history, eventually that the Europeans came over to this side. Um, so if you want to look at the history of people moving from land to land, well, that's the story of our planet. Right. I mean, right. it's inevitable. People moving right. from land to land is the story of our, of our planet. In modern times, so we want to fast forward to our day. Um, this became a problem for different reasons. Yeah. And, you know, some of it, you, it's understandable. Some of it has prejudices accompany to it. Like, um, you know, the, 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 the Chinese, mm -hmm. was it the Chinese Immigration Act? Exclusion. Chinese Exclusion, Exclusion Act. Yeah. Exclusion. I love it how they were just <laughs> honest about it. Let's just um, call it what it is. Let's <laughs> call it what it is. One Chinaman here. And that's basically, you know, in the modern history, um, it has changed a little bit. And if you bring it out to our day, it's become a very heated, yeah. packed, controversial. Um, but even it's, it's even interesting, like you say, even the Chinese Exclusion Act. But even if you go back, you know, with before that or the 1600s when uh columbus and stuff was the brits were coming over um migrating from their land to another land uh some people were already here they decided that they wanted it not the people here so they did what they did for that uh the migration of black folks in the uh that was slavery but slavery there was the transatlantic right. migration forced migration or slavery is what it yeah. was uh, a people group coming over the sea to another landmass and having to uh, 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 acclimate per se to another area and what was allowed there. And even after that, the, the British after the war, then you had other Europeans coming, the Dutch, uh, the English, uh, 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 Puritans, Germans, all these types of folks started to come over uh, to the land of opportunity. And for a while, it was just, you know, just coming. People were coming. There was land and they were going to places where they knew people were or the, their family members were. And it was starting up like that. And then after a while, around 1790 or something, they said, OK, let's start putting some citizenship on this thing. And so that first uh, naturalization act came up when they said, OK, here are some stipulations for you to now be called a citizen of this right. of this country that we live in, the United States. Of course, immigrants kept coming in after that, and then there were dif different things set up for them to become become citizens. But it was interesting as I was reading eighteen uh, hundreds, looking at some of the same discussions that we have today when it comes to immigrants, when it comes to people from other countries. Uh, some of the same discussions were being had back then. Um, as far as, well, you know, we don't want, if this person comes in, you know, they might change how we look over here. So we, we, we get to keep an eye on that. We don't want too many of those type of people coming because those type of people are right, so like, XYZ. It's, yeah, not, yeah, it's never yeah. really been against movements of peoples. It's always been against movements of certain types of certain, people that we don't like. Certain types of people. Yeah. Certain types of people. And that's not only in the United States. The, sure. In Argentina, for example, 
it, it was written in their constitution up until when was it that they eliminated that article? But but basically, the they they only encourage European migration mm. because Argentina wanted to become like this nice European country, which is basically what they are. They're like a you know Argentines are predominantly like white, like mm -hmm. German, Italian. Um, and I think it was up until recently even that they took that out of their constitution. Mm. And so it was, it was banning certain types of people and encouraging right. certain types of people from, from, to come. from going over. So it's always, it's the modern history of like immigration bans has always been selective groups. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, rarely is it like, yep, no, we're just going to close everything down. It's always right. certain types of people that we don't want to be here. And it was interesting that even back then, uh, a lot of it was for, some of it was for religious purposes also. Right. It's like, we don't want these Catholics coming in this country because, you know, we, we're, you know, we, we're not Catholic and this isn't a Catholic country. So, you know, there's too many of these Catholics coming in. We have to, we have to do something about it. And the propaganda that was around that time uh, uh, as, as the Catholics were coming in and and uh, that would from, be like from the Italians, Ireland, the Irish, yeah, yeah. As those folks was coming in, um, and around 1890, as I was looking, you have this Immigration Act where it became some type of federal issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> from from here on out, uh, it was a misdemeanor uh, to bring anyone, a non-citizen, to lawfully enter what what we now call uh, the United States, right. and then that kind of set in motion. A lot of the things, and I like what you said before, unfortunately, a lot of this, because this is a human experience, a lot of this is attached to our humanity. And because the Bible says our humanity, our hearts are deceitful uh, and desperately wicked, who can know it? Unfortunately, everything we touch, like a, like a poison, like a virus, everything that we touch, that we try to handle or, or, or construct outside of the word of God will begin to have those unbiblical, those negative, those sinful connotations to it. And so some of the reasons why some of the laws went to effect or some of the exclusions came have a, 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 a hint, started off maybe a hint to maybe even now more broadly, some type of sinful connotation to it um, as far as how we view humanity, how we view people and our responses to people. Uh, uh, in that, and you see that with the well, we don't need Catholics, or we don't want these people because they're going to change the complexion of what we look like, or all those people are crooks, or all those people are dirty, or you know, these these things right. begin to start attached. It was uh, I was reading about the Know Nothing Party. I can't believe they called themselves that, right. <laughs> but these guys at the Know Nothing Party just came along, and, and it's kind of uh, when they started those first anti-immigrant uh, sentiments begin to really start to show up in, in American politics back there in the, uh, 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 the end of the 1800s. But it's interesting you're saying the 1890 because really the United States didn't really have a national uh, way. There was, there was nothing written to enforce, you know, banning of immigration mm -hmm. like the united states was pretty easy to come into mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. up until very recently there was no no i mean like in the 1890s is when these laws started coming up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you know even the natural the naturalization act was basically okay so here's how you become a citizen right it, right. it didn't say anything <laughs> about we're gonna 
close the borders. We're not going to let anybody mm-hmm. in. Like that, those notions were not really there. You right. know what I'm saying? Like right. basically, you know, you could come in. You come it's in. just that there were prejudices amongst the society, which later later started propping up in laws and then being enforced. But it really, really these these laws against immigrants, for example, like there will be, you know, there might have been laws up in New York against immigrants. But you can basically walk into Texas. Sure. You can basically walk into pretty much anywhere, you know, like Mexico. <laughs> Mexico and, and you know, even after Texas, Texas became a state. I mean, pretty much it was a free-for-all. You can sure. just walk in, have, come back. The same thing with California, et cetera. But it was later on that these laws were enacted. Mm-hmm. So the question is, why were they enacted? Yeah. Like, what was the sentiment that created these these laws? And you said it yourself. It was it was it was religious, but it was more than religious. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? It, the, mm-hmm. There was there was underneath there um, there was prejudice. Yep. And and that's what sort of brought these laws about. And so. Immigration control, rarely have I ever seen it be motivated by something good. <laughs> it's always, we want to exclude these people because mm-hmm. we don't like them for this reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, it certainly is not because the country is too small, because it's not. I mean, there's plenty of land here that is empty. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in the, in the 1800s, when you got the progressive era... You have to look at the history of scientific racism and how that sort of became mainstream. People Mm -hmm. don't realize that it wasn't up until maybe early 20th century, maybe basically till we fought the Nazis, that scientific racism and eugenics was basically mainstream American Mm -hmm. discourse. So the whole conversation about Whites having higher IQ, the whole mm-hmm. conversation about blacks having smaller brains and therefore being less, you know, intellectual, etc., was legit mainstream American discourse in yeah. fancy university professors. Yeah. And that's what motivated a lot of these laws. It was during the progressive era. And so coming out of evolution, you know, this notion that there are certain groups of people that evolved to become a higher whatever race, quote unquote, of people became the mainstream discourse amongst many people. And then you would be surprised how many of these people subscribe to these type of ideas, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which later on, when it turns out that some of the most evil man in the world held to those views and we were fighting him, you know, the United States was fighting Nazi Germany is when some of that discourse was kind of like tampered down, you know, because we don't want to sound like the enemy. Right. Little do people know that was basically mainstream discourse in the United right. States. Right. I mean, Hitler right. was man of the year in Time magazine. Yeah. So, I mean, so a lot of these laws came out of that motivation, whether we like it or not, history is there. They came out of that motivation. So, for example, there is a very interesting essay, I forgot who wrote it, called How the Irish Became White. 
<laughs> because Irish people were not considered white people yeah. when they first came over here. Mm -hmm. They were considered basically a lower, lesser case to, yep. you know, savages or whatever. And, it, and, and it's funny to me because in the society that we live in, right. you know, you see Italians and Irish and, and German yeah. folk to think that during those times, the same sentiment that we see toward right. people who have a little bit more melanin in their skin, uh, 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 more browner people, it was the exact same uh, uh, mentality and right. uh, uh, rhetoric and propaganda going for Irish and Germans and people from other parts of Britain and Eastern right. Europe and Southern, you know. Go ahead, I didn't mean to cut you off, but go yeah, ahead with, and, the, with and, the essay. And how that happened, because it's interesting, a lot of the, a lot of the people who are like um, alt-right, you know, white nationalists, anti, you know, like anti-immigration altogether are like Irish American people. And little did they know that their grandfathers mm -hmm. <laughs> were basically in the same boat mm -hmm. as, as the people that they want to keep out. But the, the uh, you know, the way that the, these people became white, the Italians, because they're now white people, you know, Italians, Jews, and the Irish, is that, you know, during the late 1800s, early 20th century, the, the, the New England white Protestant sort of elite um, devised this idea of public schooling. Because when the Catholic came, came over and they had their own enclaves, then they had their own schools. Mm -hmm. And so the fear was, you know, the Irish and these people were like, we can't, we can't allow that. And so we have to, quote unquote, assimilate them. And so what they did is that, you know, the way that the, the Irish and the Italians became white is that they had to sacrifice their heritage, their identity, you know, what made them different. Mm. And, and they were amalgamated into this made up, you know, pretty much fake, generalized white Protestant culture, which is what we call white culture today. You know, it's mm. white culture today is made up. It's not really, there really isn't such a thing as a white person. Literally, right. White, right. white people were invented because right. Europeans in the 1600s, they didn't saw themselves that way. They were just... I'm a European from Saxony. Well, I'm from England. I'm from right. Spain. I'm from France. That's what, you know, but this whole notion of white was pretty much invented in the U.S. and then later on used and the, the Irish, the Italians, the Jews, they amalgamated themselves into this made up white culture that was pushed through public schooling. The reason, and this is probably, and this I know this, we'll get to immigration in a minute, but um, in many ways, African-Americans never 100% amalgamated themselves to that because African-Americans had their own sort of American culture. You know what I'm saying? Their own whatever, American, their own version of American culture. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Irish, the... All these guys, they sort of amalgamated themselves to these white Protestant culture, which really wasn't, it was just kind of like a generalized bland culture right. that they had to amalgamate themselves to gain the, gain, gain the acceptance that they needed to gain. Because otherwise, they would have just continued to be yeah. 
ostracized and treated as second citizens, basically. Yeah. Second. And it's interesting. It's interesting how that happened over the years. Right. Because again, you know, when I was studying this and, and, and when I was looking at it, it, it was interesting to see the types of ideologies and propaganda that was going out, for instance, right. with the Irish, the Catholic Irish, and how they were lesser of people and they were escaping yeah, yeah. the potato virus and coming over and we can't have these Irish coming. And it was such a anti-immigration, like you said, directed at these folks. They're not at American. They'll never be American. Right. We can't have this dirty. We can't, their mentality, the way they look, their culture, their Catholics, we can't have that. And all that they went through during that time. Now, now mind you, slavery was going on. So right, I don't right, right, want right. to, I don't want to dismiss segregation the fact and Jim that Crow. all that stuff was happening right. during this immigration conversation. You know, we're talking about people Which coming from another land. Which is why the story, like I said, the story of African-Americans is going to be yeah. different. Much different, much because different. Because of that. Yeah. See what right. I mean? So I don't, I don't want to gloss over that. While we're talking about other people coming to the country, the people who was here already weren't getting treated right. the right way. Anyway, right. And that, that's a, we'll get to that. But you look at Irish, the Irish folks now. Right. You know, it's to the point that we have uh, uh, um, St. Patrick's Day. That St. Patrick's Day right. is a event here right. in America where you're wearing green, you're going out, there's a parade. Right. Uh, it's not like, you know, like the Puerto Rican Day Parade. We got a Puerto Rican Day in New York. We're trying to go up there, blah, blah, blah. But no, no, St. Patrick's Day. No, no, it's part of Day, the American, yeah. St. Patrick's Day right. is part of the American entity. It's been amalgamated. T-shirts. Yeah. And, and how, if you go right. back 100 years ago, oh, 150 years ago, you're talking the same type of language that we hear today. You see, but that's not, that's not St. Patrick's. Like, if, if you. Oh, of if, course, of course. There's a difference between a it's Roman the, Catholic <laughs> and an American Catholic. Sure. You see sure, what I'm saying? Sure. There's a difference between Italian food. Like, if you go to Italy and you oh. eat Italian food. But you eat Italian American food. It's a that's it's a, it's a big there's difference. a difference, right? Big difference. So yeah, so that that's what I was trying to say. The way that these people gain acceptance is they they lost that heritage and they mm. amalgamated themselves into this bland, you know what I mean? Like right, right. quote unquote white culture. Yeah. So that's how they did it. There's an Irish um, activist, Bernadette something. She's like an old Irish socialist activist, and she said that. When she came to Boston and she saw the Irish Americans and how they treated black people, she was surprised. And I think it works two ways. If the Irish American community became too involved in our struggle against oppression, it might raise some questions as to the contradictions within their own body politic in America. Uh, particularly here in, in Boston, uh, there is nothing sadder to people struggling against oppression in Ireland to look towards Boston City and see our people. And we know how they got here. We know the oppression they fled from Ireland in various generations to get to this city, being used to oppress the black people of this city. People tell me I don't understand the situation. They tell me blacks are lazy, they don't want to work, they want to lower the standard of education. In fact, they tell me all the things I was brought up to hear about myself things Protestant people said about Catholic people in Belfast. And uh, I think that's part of it too. I mean, if they really understood what was happening in Ireland, they would get themselves sorted out and stand on the right side here because we identify very closely in our struggle 
for equality and our struggle against oppression. In fact, the whole inspiration of our civil rights movement 10 years ago came from the black movement of America. And it looks to us from where we stand at home that our people are being oppressed with the active assistance of our people. We find that very sad. She's like, we know the oppression. Like, we know why they went over there and they fled Ireland. Mm. It's because of the oppression that they felt at the hands of the, the Protestants and, and the British. But to see them now in Boston turning around, right, and then acting that way towards blacks. Towards black folks. But she basically says that, like, to, to, to see that change. And in many ways, that was part of gaining acceptance, right, gaining a right. seat into mainstream American culture. Right. You, at that time, disliked the blacks, and that's how you, you became you accepted. Yeah. So if we but fast previous forward, to that, previous yeah, to that, like it, you said, it was you. completely. It was you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so the point I was making and the point I want to see is that this isn't new. It's just a different face on it. Right. It's just a different people group right. that we're talking about now. Uh, and, and, and even now, the people group that gets the most attention when we talk about immigration is not the people group that's the majority of people who are here coming into this country. Right. If, even, even illegally, we have that discussion. Right. People who right. are coming in undocumented. There are other people groups from other countries who are coming right. in today much more than the ones that get all the attention and the rhetoric. Right. Because again, it's, it's not really about that. It's about something else underlying right. As you go through this, as we get into how this discussion is had, if we fast forward to so the 1920s, they started dropping quotas on us now. They said, okay, listen, we're going we're gonna to start saying that certain countries, you get 10, you get 15, you get 100, you get 500, you get three. And this, this kind of quota system started to uh, 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 come. And this phrase of illegal immigration, if you came in, more right. so didn't come in the, the way where we have this quota. Your country gets five people a year. Oh, here comes a six guy. Uh-uh. This, this is, you have now reached illegal status. This right. stuff started to happen. Um, they started trying to limit the, the amount of immigrants that would come to the country. And that's when the term illegal immigration and that whole idea began to ramp up. Because before, like you said, you know, you coming in through Mexico, through Texas. You coming in through Canada. I mean, it's it's nothing out there. <laughs> right. It's a lot of wide open spaces. And by the way, that all used to be Mexico anyway. So right. people were used to traveling up and down uh, uh, yeah. those areas. That was you know where you go. I'm yeah, there's Mexico. people who <laughs> there's people who who had families and clans and exactly. tribes on that side, and all of a sudden, exactly. some people drew an imaginary line and said, yeah. "Oh well, you know." And now there you go. <laughs> you cross you're the, the slide, wrong you're, side. And they're like, illegal. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I, and you think about in Germany when they built uh, the Berlin Wall, you know, the, the, that separated East, from East Germany from West Germany. And, right. you know, to just think of that, you know, I was in, in the 80s kid. And so, you know, it was kind of a big deal back then when, it, when Reagan was like, tear that wall down or whatever. Was it Reagan? Yeah. Reagan, Reagan said yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, but just to think that here, you know, in Orlando to... Let's say Altamont Springs. Somebody just drew a line and said, "Oh yeah, all the people over there are evil now." Yeah, but my my cousin live over there. <laughs> my my grandma, she she lives. I can see her house from here. Nope. Right. We drew this line, and now we're gonna have a certain 
sediment toward those people who are across this line and to get over this line, you know, and again, it was something else, something else uh, that was that was there. Um, speaking of which, it was interesting to me, the the you can help me. Is it the Bracero Act? Bracero Act? Uh, Bracero, Bracero Act. Yeah, the, the Bracero Act. Act. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where we get the term crazy. wetback from. Yeah. 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 So yeah. World War II was popping off. Right. A lot of American men were going to fight the war. You had to draft so they were gone. And so we had work here that wasn't getting done. So the United right. States of America went to the Mexican government and said, yo, check this. We will come over, pick up your people, provide transportation, bring them to America, let them work here, pay them. Uh, uh, if y'all come and help us because all our men are going to war. Mexico was like, bet. And so right. for years, we are... Bussing in right. <laughs> Mexican men to come right. over to the United States uh, 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 to By work. the thousands. I, I would even say probably be more than thousands. This thing right. went on for millions. Almost, yeah. This thing went on for 20 years. Right. 1964 is when they shut the act down, the, right. the, the program down. Right. So 20 years, we are right. bussing, we're providing transportation for yep. Mexicans to come on over and help our economy. 20 years this happened. Right. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And 20 years of Mexico using their human resources, not for them. Not for them. But for the, for the, for the United States. Yeah. For the United States. Because we asked them, by the way. Yeah, we, only to be forgotten by history books when people talk about World War II, Mexico didn't do anything. No contributions were made by nobody no else. No contributions. But the United States. 20 yeah. years, our economy kept going. Right. Because of the work that Mexicans were doing here, that we asked them to do, that right. they came over here, roll up their sleeves and put in that work. Sure, we paid them, they got paid. But the point is... Think about that. So for 20 years, I'm coming over to another country. I'm working in this country for 20 years. I bring my wife. In 20 years, I might have a son, daughter, maybe three kids. You know, they growing up in 20 years. He gets 15, 16. He gets a job. He starts working. I got cousins, uncle. So we're, we're settling. We're bringing people over. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Here's a job. Here's a car. Blah, blah, blah. Here's money. Not to mention there was a disruption because if I'm not mistaken, the Bracero Act was, was, was uh, um, I think the Catholic Church in Mexico posted hmm. because they, they said that what this was going to do was going to displace families and it was going to change. <laughs> you know, it was, you're separating families. It was going to change like the whole... Uh, you know, family structure in Mexico, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a culture, you know, the tight knit family, et cetera. Um, but it was for, yeah, like two decades of this happening. Yeah. That was so crazy. That was so right. crazy. And then, and so, so you got all this going, you got World War II people running from different countries in Europe because, hey, the war is going on. So they're coming to America. We're, we're, we're signing these acts saying, okay, you can come. Okay, we can let in these refugees. We get to the 60s uh, and you have the whole thing that popped off with Castro, uh, right. uh, uh, those kids. Uh, um, we, we worked, we, we, we helped, what, 1,400, a couple of thousand, 14,000 uh, uh, kids get in to the United States. Right. Uh, to help escape what was going on. And then uh, you have uh, Mari, the Mari, um, 
the Mariel program, or Marielito, whatever. Which one was it. that? Which one was That's that? That's when Castro basically sent a bunch of people over here to Miami, um, mm. and the U.S. received them. Yeah. And so, so, so you got these quotas, you got these people coming, and then all of a sudden you get to 1965, um, where uh, the Immigration and Nationality Act that kind of really start to set the new tone of what we beginning to see today when we talk about when we have this conversation immigration um they they instead of just a quota system and i heard an interesting <laughs> interesting story about it uh, i can't remember the guy's name you can research it i'll put i'll put it up there um he was in congress and he you know everybody was like we got to give it this quota system it's not right it's not fair uh we, we got to get it and, and he was like nope we got to keep these quotas and so to, 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 to appease folks, he said, okay, we'll drop the quotas from countries, but we're going to change it to uh, uh, quotas uh, of seven different categories. So not the countries, but we're looking for a certain amount of people who can do this, or a certain amount of doctors, or right. certain amount of things. Oh, and by the way, we'll do this uh, family unification thing, where if you're here already, then we can make a way for you, your family to come over. So, uh, uh, so you had that family reunification thing was kind of the emphasis of this Immigration Nationality Act in 1965. And with the quota system from countries changing to more of a seven categories of, of culture, of quotas. And he thought that this was going to reduce the amount of migrants that came over. Right. He was very wrong. <laughs> that family reunification thing, my aunt, my uncle, his husband, her husband, their, their cousin, that they, and all of a sudden, you see, when you look at those, the, the, the trends, you see the immigration and then, of course, the, the term illegal uh, or the immigrations begin to spike from 1965 and it begin to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And I just thought it was interesting how uh, uh, that's what we'll do. We'll say if, if you got family, you can come. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll keep them out. It didn't quite work. Right. Didn't quite work. But then you had <laughs> the you had a, a like towards the end of the Bracero program, you had Operation Wetback, where mm. they brutally went around looking and grabbing uh, Mexicans and you know, returning them back to Mexico. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were like mm -hmm. breaking into people's homes, dragging them out, putting them in trucks and driving them all the way out to the border. That's how this whole program ended. So, which people which, that we have invited over. Right. Yeah. To, to, to come help us in our time of need. Interesting. Um, so we got all these, this immigration, uh, the term illegal immigration is popping up a lot and, and, and it, the numbers are rampant. Uh, it becomes such a political, it, it was a political thing, but you know, as you get more in the modern era, you know, that, that's a lot of the conversation comes to that. What are we gonna do? We have all these people here in this country. You have these people here illegally. Uh, they're, they're doing this, they're taking our jobs, they're, they're using our health care, they're taking our schools. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's out of hand, it's out of hand. Um, what's interesting is I'm a true believer that if, and, and I say there was always something going on, the United States were more than willing to, I don't want to say take advantage of yet, but more than willing to use the labor 
of right. people from other countries. Uh, and I say that you sort of get to the point of now, and, and as we move through history, taking advantage of uh, labor uh, of the people who are coming from other countries who we don't necessarily have to have the same fairness toward because they're not citizens and because of how they came to this country, we don't have to treat them a certain way. We can now treat them this way. We can use their work, use their labor, and then pay them X amount of dollars for whatever reason uh, because of that. Or, or, um, or even fight. You do know that Yeah, you can fight in the military if you're not a citizen. And you're not guaranteed citizenship after you get out, right? Not at all. There's people in Mexico that fought for the U.S. and Vietnam, Afghanistan, and after they were done, they were sent back out. Yeah. yeah, because what you're promised is expediency in the naturalization pro mm -hmm. process, mm -hmm. whatever that means. But you're not guaranteed citizenship. Right. And, and so that brings us to a, a little closer to the day. So bef before that, so Reagan popped off and he was like, you know, uh, uh, um, had the whole idea about the the the, the amnesty thing, uh, right? And again, that's another right. word that people throw around that don't really, you know, amnesty is used for a lot of a lot of reasons. But the idea was, we've got all these people here. Uh, at that time, I think they said the number was three million. They were going with like three million uh, so. uh, immigrants. This, that was that was uh, what's his name um, Kennedy. Uh, okay, Ted Kennedy. Yeah, Ted Kennedy. Um, and somebody else, and Reagan backed it and signed the the Amnesty Act. Yeah, yeah, in the eighties. And so that basically said, if you're here, we're gonna leave you alone. Right. We'll leave you alone, and and so you can stay. But the promise, what Reagan was saying, how he helped his folks get over that was, uh, we're gonna tighten up the border. We're gonna make it darn near impossible, or try our best. To make it impossible for people to go over, but if you're here already, you, 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 we're gonna let it. We're gonna let it ride. You cool? Um, but Reagan was open borders, though. Yeah, talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, Reagan, <laughs> Reagan, both Reagan and Bush were open borders. I think the time has come that the United States and our neighbors, particularly our neighbor to the south, should have a better understanding and a better relationship than we've ever had. And I think, but we haven't been sensitive enough to our size and our power. They have a problem of 40 to 50% unemployment. Now, this cannot continue without the possibility arising with regard to that other country that we talked about, of Cuba and what it is stirring up, of the possibility of trouble below the border and we could have a very hostile and strange neighbor on our border. Rather than making them or talking about putting up a fence, why don't we work out some recognition of our mutual problems, make it possible for them to come here legally with a work permit, and then while they're working and earning here, they pay taxes here. And when they go on to go back, they can go back and they can cross and open the border both ways by understanding their problems. This is the only safety valve right now they have with that unemployment that probably keeps the lid from blowing off down there. And I think we could have a, friend, a fine relationship and it would solve the problem you mentioned also. Basically what, what Reagan thought of the Mexican border was what the Canadian border is today. The Canadian border is pretty much open. I mean, well, not now because of COVID and all that right, stuff. Right. But I mean, there's like even there's a library in Maine that half of the library is in Canada. 
literally <laughs> you you're in the library and there's a line and that's canada and this is so that's basically the idea but um it's interesting to see how the conservative movement went from that to what it is today mm. and how some of them claim reagan while at the same time being completely you know closed borders but reagan was i mean there's clips of reagan basically saying that publicly you know that he was you know open up the borders both ways have people you know cross back and forth etc that's what that's what he was saying back in the 80s but but yeah. like you say for for poli for political reasons you know after the amnesty bill was was signed or whatever he promised to get tough and close down the border etc so yeah and times change <laughs> times change and and that didn't go too well either right but, uh, uh, or to I, I won't say too well according to plan that didn't, didn't go according to plan either and i think that brings us you know and through that we've had clinton and his his contributions to to immigration bush too uh, uh, Obama's contributions to immigration. He talked about the, the what you got the Dream Act. Was that the Obama start that, or was that kind of before Obama? I think the Dream I, Act. I know. Was, I know DACA was. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was Obama. Okay. The Dreamers. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, was the Obama? Dreamers. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you got, you got that. You got the, um, um. Yeah, 2012. Um, right. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. So they announced that certain people, if you if you came to the United States as children, you met certain guidelines, whatever, whatever. Uh, uh, then right. they would defer the action for a period of two years, and you could renew and renew, and you could go through this process eventually. Um, um, deferred. So you know the 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 thing on and on and on. Um, but but it just it just brings a lot. The, the history of immigration is checkered here in the United States. Um, it, 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 it's where we started to where we are today, some of the reasons. It's made it such, such a convoluted issue, and it hasn't been handled or addressed in such a way uh, like some of the other things or the other topics that are going on in America, such that now you're at a place where we talked about when we started. Emotions runs high. Uh, uh, there's a situation where we have a certain amount of people. What are you going to do with them? Or how are you going to do this? Uh, uh, and this topic is used, especially this time of year. It's um, September, especially this time of year. Mm -hmm. It's time for election. This topic is used right. and used to start up, kill, to start those fires, those emotions, that rhetoric, that propaganda, and build it, build it, build it, build it up. I remember when, when Trump uh, came on and was started talking about, well, they're coming from Mexico, they're, they're rapists and they're drug dealers, and some of them are good people. And, but, but even just how that was said, right. you know, and, and, and the, the, the tone and the framing of, of language. Language matters. How you say things matter. Uh, what you draw attention to matter. Uh, uh, and those gross generalizations and sometimes flat out lies, unfortunately, have been the foundation of this discussion moving forward uh, uh, t today and, and continuing on and on and on. Just how we talk about this and how, and how we address it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, um, but it's, it's also like it's a universal movement now. It's going global because you see the same rhetoric in France, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in Spain. After the Syrian refugees, after all right. that popped off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, France has had kind of like a, a very anti-immigration, uh, different movements for many decades. Um, and the same thing's going on in Spain and in England and different places. So it's, it's, a, it's a universal problem and it's a mm -hmm. universal issue that rises up the same passions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you have to get into things like cultures and ethnicities and things like that because that's what drives the thing, right? That's what, right. I mean, like when did I came to the United States? 1998, I think it was, 1997. Um, I came over from Puerto Rico, so I'm supposed to, supposedly on paper, be an American. Um, that's not how I was seen and treated, mm. right? But a Canadian is not seen as an immigrant. Mm. If you're a Canadian and you move to the United States, I mean, you're not an immigrant. You know that. You know, you know, on, on practical matters, nobody's going to care. You know what I mean? Nobody, nobody's going to see you as different. But if you're Puerto Rican, right, you're seen as a foreign person coming in from the outside. So citizenship and papers really are not the issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think if Canadians were coming across the border, would we be having an issue like we are with Mexicans who are. You mean, it, you mean if only Canadians? Only Canadians right. coming over from the Canadian border in the right. north, that we would be having an issue. Um, and by we, I mean the country, you know, the mainstream, right. whatever right. culture at large. But um, Mexicans were flooding by the millions upon millions of people, which is not true, but that's the impression you get. Like mm -hmm. literally mm -hmm. you get the impression that there's like a hundred million Mexicans coming up the border every day, which mm -hmm. is not true at all. That's what causes the problem. So you, you have to inevitably, whether you like it or not, you have to get into that issue because that's sort of at the bottom of why this is such a problem. Right. Everywhere. It's not just here. It's everywhere. You know what I mean? Right. So you have to get at the bottom of that. And there's, there's the issue of culture and all that stuff, ethnicities and all of that. So, and it was funny you talk about China. Like you know, it's funny. We'll, we'll I'll see an actor, and that I've seen him into several movies, and then I find out that they're Canadian. Like what? I, right. I don't know. Uh, the guy plays Deadpool. You know, uh, yeah, Ryan Canadian. Reynolds is Canadian. Jim I Carrey just, is Canadian. Yeah, you just learned that. It's like oh, right. Because again, <laughs> Drake, and Eve, Drake Eve, is Canadian. <laughs> yeah, even my oh, even my really, I didn't know that. Right. That, at the at the base of that, it's uh, even myself. I have a thing right. where I look at them and I don't see anything different right. and I don't hear anything different. So I'm not going to assume anything right. different. But someone who I can look right. different and see different and and hear different, then there's a oh okay. Then I wonder where they're from, you know. And it could be from that innocence over all the way to a. They're here to take our jobs. You know, I don't and see you like crying assume, at And you assume, okay, you get to the point, okay, they're Canadian, they're, they're immigrants, but of course they're legal, 
right? That's, like, a, that's the assumption. They must they must have come here legally because right. they white right. and they speak right. English. Yeah. yeah. And you don't hear actors saying, you know, Ryan Reynolds and the rest of his Canadian friends are coming over and taking our jobs. Right. You know, and Jim Carrey, they're, they're taking our jobs. They're going to our schools. Right. They're using our health care. <laughs> that, that would be, it's laughable. Drake, Drake has yeah. taken the jobs of many rappers. Many, many there rappers. There could have been a lot of American rappers. <laughs> There would have been big now, but Drake, Drake just came over and took this. He also shut down a lot of rappers' careers. There you go. Uh, <laughs> they could have made it big. They could have made it big. He just came but over. to this immigrant. Thank you. Covered over. This illegal immigrant. Shut, shutting them down. Now they, Him, can, now they can't work. What's the name of the, 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 the R&B? <laughs> uh, Deborah Cox or whatever. <laughs> Deborah Cox? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, it, but it's interesting uh, um, uh, just on that piece of it. But when you think about um, just the context of where we are today, I think that it comes down to there's policy, there, uh, what the policy should be. And uh, I think there's a, that's a conversation, but I think there's also a conversation of how we treat people. Right. I think that those are, and at times they, they are together, but I think the problem is when you have this discussion and you look at people, you only hear one side of it. The policy, the law, this is what the law says, the law, you gotta know the law, you gotta be the law, you gotta be the law. And then on the other side, it's uh, 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 the question becomes, okay, the law, but how should we treat people? How should we respond to people? You right. know, and I think that's what brings in, we talk about and what we try to do here is look at it from a biblical perspective. Um, what is that? How do you begin that discussion? How do you look at it from a biblical uh, uh, perspective or biblical worldview, policy, law, humanity? More importantly, what causes immigration? Because immigration, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's not the result of anything good, right? Mm. It's... it's mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times is the result of uh, people. It's not easy to pack up your bags and right. move to a completely new culture. Right. I mean, that's not right. easy. Right. It's, it wasn't easy because I've, I've experienced that. When I came to the United States, I didn't even speak English until I mm. was like in high school. So it's as you can tell. But if I, I wouldn't have been able to tell. I, but, you know, <laughs> why are people coming? Mm -hmm is what we need to ask ourselves. What's happening? What caused it? Because if you don't get to that, then it's just gonna keep perpetuating forever, right? right? It's not gonna stop. And then we're gonna be in the same boat forever. And so, you know, you look at the, the crisis that happened in Europe a couple of years ago. Remember the, mm -hmm. the people, you know, like there's, there's um, you, can, the, you know, there's like, People like Spain actually has two cities in Africa, believe it or not. Right? Wow. Spain, the country, has two cities in Africa that yeah. are Spain's. Yeah, yeah. So they have a fence all around it, right? Yeah. And you see people rushing, I mean, just by the thousands to climb up this fence to the point that the Border Patrol cannot even contain them. We mm -hmm. don't have that at the border in the United States. Like, mm -hmm. we don't have millions of Mexicans, you know. And um, 
you know, what's, what was causing that? What was causing the Syrian refugee crisis in Europe? Well, we mm-hmm. know what caused it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So unless we get to the root of the problem that causes these things, then we're going to keep perpetuating it. Right. You know, and the Syrian refugee crisis in, in Europe was a direct result of all that mess that started in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So doing stuff in the Middle East that we shouldn't be doing, causing these crises over there, forcing people to flee, is what caused that crisis. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we have to understand biblically because oppression, we see it in the Bible, right? We see it in the amount of prophets. You know, um, oppression begets oppression and sometimes begets sin. Because people got to do what they got to do. Right, survive. right. See what I mean? And right. so, and I'm not saying immigration is sinful, but what I'm saying is um, sometimes we look at things that biblically are not justifiable. Biblically, you know, are not the Bible does not condone them, but it understands them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It understands why people act a certain way based on certain environments, etc. And so we have to have that conversation when we talk about the immigration issue. And, some, and most of the time, that the conversation as to why is left completely out. And what we do is we need to, we need to keep... So you're saying we should let everybody in or we should just stop everybody. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But yeah. Okay, why are they coming in? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why were the refugees going to Europe and still are, I think, by the millions and whatever? You know what I mean? So you got to have that, those conversations because if you don't, then we're running around in circles. Yes. And, and, even, and even, so you have that, those scenarios, the wars and the different things, but then you have, like, for instance, in other countries, like uh, uh, the internal issues that are going on. Right. Uh, um, you have cases where um, the politicians or the government has turned a blind eye or joined forces with people who are uh, uh, going against the word of God or, or causing pain or causing issues, drug right. dealers, uh, 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 prostitution, uh, 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 kidnapping. All of those things are going on. And the government, those who are there who are put by God, <laughs> to, to be God's hands of, of justice has either turned a blind eye, paid off, or even part of those sins and the oppression that's going on. And so uh, um, looking at it from that point of view, how do you alleviate that? What can we do as a body of Christ in those countries where it seems as though the government or those in charge of the police are the ones either turning a blind eye uh, uh, perpetuating or or benefiting from the oppression and the pain and the suffering of God's people, thus causing them, hey, I've got to get out of here. I've got to right. relocate myself, my family, because if not, I'm going to die, they're going to die uh, because of what's going on around me. And so I think that's a good point you brought up. Uh, we talk about immigration and the why People are leaving. Even before we get to the why, before we get to the how, we let them in. Before we get to the what they do when they're here, before they get to the the fact that they're leaving, what is that cause? And then, so when it comes, how to, does the gospel help us with that cause? So when it comes to war, right? 
Um, the Christian position should be not to be for preemptive wars and foreign entanglements. Um, for example, the stuff that happened in the Middle East was applauded by many Christians, right? Just going over there, uh, whatever, getting involved in that mess. The Libya situation, all of those things are foreign entang entanglement. See, people talk about borders, right? People say, well, if you don't want to like close the border and kick everybody out, then you're against borders altogether. Then borders shouldn't exist. No, borders should exist because they're biblical, mm -hmm. right? God is the one who, what is it that the apostle Paul said? You know, the, the boundaries of our ha habitation, right, mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. determined by God. But borders exist to prevent nations from going into other nations. We call that a military invasion, unless it's done, in, of course, in self-defense. Um, the Bible condemns that. The Bible does not condemn the free movement of peoples. Mm -hmm. Because there's a difference between peoples moving from place to place and governments moving from place to place. Mm -hmm. Because you typically, when governments move from place to place, they do so with an army accompanying them. And so the, the Christian position shouldn't be backwards, which is what it is today. Pro-movement of nations into other nations, which we cheer <laughs> right. on, and right. against free movements of people, which we condemn. We have right. the backwards to the Bible position. Right. So the other thing is, when I was, when I was saying, why are some of these countries, why are people emigrating? It is true that in many occasions is the fault of the countries themselves. Right. Right. You got, you got petty dictators, you have corrupt politicians, you have all that. But then you have situations where you have things like the IMF who goes to nations, right? Uh, forces them to basically borrow money from them with certain stipulations, which then... For example, like it happened in Ecuador where the, uh, the IMF lent money to Ecuador with the stipulation that they had to adopt the American dollar. Ecuador had their own dollar. And then they had to import food, right? And so you have farmers now in Ecuador, like Mexico imports food. Mexicans have been growing their own food for thousands of years, right? But you get into these trade deals, right, that benefit bankers at the expense of these smaller countries, which then turns those countries into horrible places. They cannot develop their own infrastructure because now they're in debt. They got to pay the debt back to the IMF. If they don't, they get sanctions imposed upon them. So they cannot, you know, develop infrastructures and all these things. So people who live in those nations are forced to flee because they don't have any choice. Mm -hmm. Because they have an artificially created crisis. Mm -hmm. Happened in Mexico. You know, NAFTA and all these different, you know, the IMF and all these different deals basically for, forced Mexico to import all this stuff. And they were at the behest of NAFTA and the IMF. Next thing you know, you know, farmers that were growing the food and selling them for generations. Now they, they have, you know, the, their food is now under the control of multi-corporations or multinationals, they cannot sell it. So what are they going to do with their fields? Mm -hmm. Well, let's grow heroin. Because that's what we got to do to survive here. Or 
we'll walk over to the border and climb over the fence over to the United States. And so the cartels propped up. And you know what I'm saying? So oppression, like I said, oppression begets oppression begets sin, which begets sin. So we have to get to the root of the problem. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we cannot continue to allow these multinational globals, which are not even Americans. This is the other thing about these are global, globalist Mm -hmm. corporations, Mm -hmm. right? This is Mm -hmm. not a conspiracy theory. This is the IMF is an actual organization Mm -hmm. that exists, right? Mm -hmm. Goes around the world, lending money, imposing sanctions, blah, 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 to other nations, which causes all of these problems. And then people migrate to different places in order to, I mean, you know how many people left Detroit, <laughs> migrated yeah. out of Detroit back yeah. in the 90s when the whole place collapsed and went everywhere? Forget that. Thing. Now, people leaving New York, coming to Florida. Yeah. I, I run into people every day. They're asking too crazy up there up top, man. We had to we move down here. Or we coming down there. Or my family's coming because it's too crazy. Right. They're coming to Florida. So that, that's, a, that's a reaction. That's a natural that's a reaction. reaction. It's a so, natural reaction. So the drug war is tied up to a lot of the Mexican immigration. The mm-hmm. violence mm-hmm. that we see in Mexico, the violence, the, the, yep. the cartels, the and the drug war, and all this stuff that's happening that is a result of that. So, you end the drug war, you literally start seeing immigration go down because a lot of the violence that people flee Mexico is right. all related to the cartels. Yep. And it's interesting because you, you look at a lot of decisions. I'm not sure I just want to pick on America, but like you said, it's a global thing. It's a global problem, yeah. The global decisions or the decisions that people in power make has ramifications. Right. Nine times out of ten are going to be negative toward the poor, the needy, causing the oppressed. Exactly. And, and when so, you look at it in terms of nations. Nation, nationally, yeah. Now you're yeah. looking at the poor nations of the world, the exactly. so-called third world nations of the world. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, and, and my perspective, you know, the whole purpose of this is to say, you know, and we're going to get to it, what does the Bible say? What's our response right. based on biblical principles, based on a biblical worldview? The biblical worldview world doesn't just start at, now we got these people in our country, what do we do with them? It right. doesn't just start at, we got a border, we got laws, we got to obey laws. Hey, Romans 13, we got a law, got to obey the law. What right. you going to do? It's a law. Before we even get to those discussions, there's so many more discussions that come before then. The use of people, taking advantage of people, uh, 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 using you for our benefit as long as we need you. But once my need is done, cut you off. And not just cut you off, now you're a criminal. <laughs> you know? Funding, <laughs> funding like dictators to, yeah. to overthrow exactly. governments. Exactly. Like in and Bolivia. That just happened in you Bolivia, go. you know? Yeah. yeah. And so we, we really have to look at this from a, holist, from a holistic biblical point of view, at the, like you said, at the root. And so this becomes much more than a conversation of, and you hear people from the pulpits, where the, the, the Bible says, obey the law of the land. So those people got to obey the law of the land. And it's like, okay, well, if we're going to, we bringing the Bible into this? Because if we were to bring in the Bible into this, they're about, what, 48 books before we get to Romans chapter 12? <laughs> Right. There's, a, there's, a, there's a lot more the Bible has to say about what causes this, what this is, other than what it says in Romans 13. We have to obey the law of the land, but we're going to open our church during COVID shutdown. <laughs> you know, and so, right. and, and that's the thing. So don't, don't give me that. 
you want to have this discussion at the biblical platform? Let's have discussion. But let's look at the Bible in its entirety. Let's look at what the principles say, you know, according to the word of God. And then, and, and I think that's been a problem, body. And now I'm, I'm bringing it more to, to the home now, to the, to the body of Christ. I think the problem has been, not just with this topic, with other topics, is that folks in the body of Christ, we address topics, we address issues with, okay, what's the two beliefs out there? Okay, this one, uh, I don't like that one. This one, I like that one. That's my belief. Now, let me find my Bible and right. find what verses I can see that kind of lines up with that. Oh, this verse lines up with what I just believed out there. So let's preach this from the pulpit. And we, we're taking a backwards look on the world and how we see things. Uh, instead of approaching this topic from what does God say in principle, in detail, throughout the entirety of scripture, we tend to grasp onto, this is what I like, this is what feels comfortable to me, this is what resonates with me, this is what this guy I'm voting for says, so let me find out how the scripture, what verse I can pull to line up with that. And in doing that, we miss the totality of scripture. We miss how this biblical Bible was written. And I think that if we look at this whole thing about immigration, other topics too, but today's about immigration. If we look at immigration through a lens of how the Bible addresses the principles, uh, the methodologies, the ideology from the word of God, of how we address this thing, the conversation changes. You see what I'm saying? We, we look at it from a different perspective. And so a lot of the normal tone and dialogue that we have, we don't have yet. And I think that's where we need to go as a body of Christ. Open the scriptures. Let's see what the Bible says about these principles. I mean, like you, you started off talking about Abraham. You know, when you look at the children of God, we look at the Old Testament, even the New Testament, we're talking about immigrants. The entire right. thing. You got Abraham. You got Joseph, who was forced migration sold into slavery in Egypt. Uh, while he was there, he got big. Uh, 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 you, you got the thing with him and Potiphar's wife. Took the jobs from, from, yeah. from Egypt. Yeah, took his job. An Egyptian could have had that job. And Joseph came job. and took it. Look at this guy. Listen to the guy. But, you know, commit, accused of a crime, this immigrant right. in this new land, accused of a crime he did not commit. He pleaded his case. She pleaded his case. Who did they believe? They didn't believe the immigrant. Mm. They believe the, the, the majority uh, uh, national person that was there. This immigrant got thrown in jail. This immigrant came out. This immigrant followed God. He got to second place. And when he was there, what did he do? He, he brought his family over. Right. <laughs> he brought his family over. He was in a position where he could bring his family, who was, by the way, escaping what? Famine. Famine. Escaping oppression, escaping hard times. He was able to bring them over. So we got this immigrant who was put in the position now able to bring his family. Then we got family reunification. We got family migration happening. We've got, and then you see in scriptures that everything was cool for a little bit. And then some of these Egyptians started looking out and say, well, you know, we don't like shepherds anyway. You know, we don't like right. these immigrants anyway, because all they do is work in the field. That's less than us. So let's put them over in this section. So we got this immigration section. We got this ghetto. We're going to put them in. That's, that's where they hang out. And then the Bible says, you start off Exodus, there grows a Pharaoh who knew, didn't know Joseph. And they start, another word you use, fear. Oh man, there's a lot of them. Right. And if, they, if we let them stay here, they're not us. They're going to take our jobs. They might, even, they might even take over and try to kill us all. We got to oppress these people. We have to do something to them because we're afraid of them, because they're different from us, because they're not from here. 
and, and you see but, that. But Egypt, Egypt was rescued by Joseph. <laughs> yes, an immigrant. Egypt was going to collapse. And Joseph's wise, you know, policies mm -hmm, mm -hmm, saved mm -hmm. Egypt and kept it the most dominant country in the world at the time. Mm -hmm. but yeah. He did that. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. You got that. I was listening to a, a, a guy who was talking. He was talking about Abraham when he was uh, uh, migrating to a different place. When he got to the border, he lied to get in the border. I never right. thought of it that way. I never looked at it that way. He told his wife, listen, when we cross this thing. We're trying to get food. We got to go through here. We need, we, need, uh, uh, we need stuff. If somebody asks you, just tell them you're my wife. That way they leave us alone. Uh, well, no, tell them my sister. Yeah, you're tell them you're my sister. Yeah. That way we can cross this border. We can get to this country. They leave us alone. We can do what we need to do. We can keep moving. They lied to get across the border. Uh, 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 and, and I never But notice really... even them, they weren't, they could get across. Right. He just didn't right. want his wife to be taken. Right. Right. By right. whatever. But right. yeah, you can walk right in. If he was you by right himself, he could, yeah. could walk yeah. right in. Uh, uh, but, but when you look at the scriptures, uh, Ruth, Naomi, right. uh, uh, that whole thing, Ruth was an immigrant in Moab. Uh, 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 in Moab, yeah, to the Moabites. Right. In, in Moab. Her sons died. Then she came and brought another immigrant because her sons married right. an immigrant or Ruth married an immigrant, however you want to look at it, when they was in Moab. Ruth married an immigrant over there. Then because of what happened, they had to migrate back to Israel. Israel. And, so and she now was a Ruth, foreigner, yeah. She became um, a foreigner. Yeah. And she became an immigrant. And she became a foreigner. And you look what was going on with that and how she was treated and, and the different things in the story. Looking at the scriptures through the lens of, wow, a lot of the things that we see going on today happen to God's people. And look at these names. We're talking about Abraham, Isaac, right. Jacob. You know, Jacob's son is what Jesus came through. Moses. Ruth. Moses. Oh, Moses. Moses was a Jew. I mean, about, about back and forth. He went to Jethro. What, what was that? Midian? Yeah. Was that Midian? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it was, you know, mm. wanderers. And that's why you look at the scriptures. Jesus said, listen, be nice to the strangers. Because remember, you were once strangers in another, in a foreign land. You were once these type of people. Uh, and when you begin to look at the scriptures through that perspective of how God treats people and how God looked at and, and commanded us to treat people who were oppressed, who were needed help. Uh, you see that word attached to the widows, the, 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 the widows, the hurting, the strangers. All, all, you see those lumped together in a lot of the discussions that God says you need to look out for these people because God has a heart for those people who are being oppressed. And so the question becomes, do I have the heart of God in this or do I have the heart of the political platform that I'm currently uh, a card-carrying member of? Right. And, and, that, and I think that's where that discussion, we need to start that discussion from there. Forget what the America says, uh, forget what the world says, forget what the political party says. Let's start with looking at the totality of the scriptures in this matter. How am I supposed to treat, approach, respect these people who, by the way, are made in the image of God? That's what it boils down to. These are God's people made in the image of God. 
you know? And so what is my responsibility as a follower of Christ, as someone who's adhering to this book here? What's my responsibility and how I treat them, how I react to them, and what are my actions toward them being a follower of Christ? That, that's the perspective that I believe the church should start from. And then we move to, of course, we gotta have the discussion of laws. Of course, you have to have a discussion of what do we do. Of course, you have to have a discussion of obedience. But that's not where I believe we should start from. We need to start from the book, the word. Right. What is God's heart for these people? Am I relaying that? What does God say I should do for these people who are oppressed, uh, are suffering, refugees, asylum? And those are just leaving uh, because where they are is not conducive for them preparing. We also have an example family. of, you know, God did made a country in the Bible. Mm which is mm. the nation of Israel, mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. gave them laws. So mm -hmm. we have an example in, in the Bible of a nation having received laws from God and how those mm -hmm. laws mm -hmm. look like. And when, there, when it comes to the area of immigration, I mean, I think it's pretty, taking a face value, it's pretty straightforward. And... You may say, well, we're not the nation of Israel and nobody is the nation of Israel, which is true. But right. laws should have a basis on something. Yes. And so yes. they're either going to be based on scripture or in your opinion. Right. And we, we see men's opinion laws, how they, you know, what they result in. Mm -hmm. And it's never mm -hmm. really good. So mm -hmm. when you look at the Bible, when you look at Israel as a country when it comes to these these issues i think it's pretty straightforward, pretty I mean, straightforward. it's 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 there it's it's open right there face value yeah for you to see yeah. it. and so and and, 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 it, and it's even to that point i can't open up the scripture and see what it says olu thou shalt not take a kilo of cocaine right cook it up, uh, 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 chop it up, uh, uh, I won't get into details, uh, but produce crack, <laughs> put it in valves, and take said crack, and then go out into the streets and sell said crack, right. and become addicted to crack. Thou shalt not do it, I am the Lord your God. You're not gonna see that in scripture. So don't come to me with this, well, if you look at the Bible, the Bible really doesn't address, our responsibility is to take the principles in the word of God, and apply said principles. So yeah, we're not the children of Israel. Right. But the children of Israel was a nation under God and God gave them laws and commands and precepts and statues because it was a reflection of his heart, his desire, and who he was. As a matter of fact, he told them in Deuteronomy chapter four, he said, uh, um, uh, uh, God said, listen, I'm giving you these, uh, um, I'm giving you these laws, I'm giving you these things so that the other nations, when they see it, Mm -hmm. They will say, oh, okay, this, this, is, this is what God says. Um, Deuteronomy 4, um, 4, look, I have taught you statues and audiences, ordinances as the Lord my God has commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering. Carefully follow them for this will show your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the people. When they hear about these statues, they will say, this great nation is indeed wise and understanding people. God gave them these laws right. and their obedience to these laws was for the nations, for others to see, oh, this is this God that we're talking about. 
We talked about it earlier that Israel was the one who introduced God to the world. And so those, I can look at the scriptures. I can look what God says about the immigrants, the strangers, the sojourners, the people coming through your land, how you should treat them, how you should treat people. And I can apply that, and I have to apply that to all people. I, I really love it and hate it at the same time when people, you know, all of a sudden they love the Hebrew and the Greek, and they want to say, well, you know, you look at that word in the, in the Old Testament, that word doesn't mean illegal. You see strangers, there were four words for immigrants, right. four words for travelers, and this word means this word. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make, be facetious. I'm not uh, uh, disregarding the original language in Scripture. My point is most of the people who you hear coming down at are people who are trying to look for a reason to say, I don't have to treat those people this way because X, Y, Z. Right. And I think that's the wrong way to look at scriptures. I think that's the wrong way to look at scriptures. I'm going to look, I don't want to treat these people a certain way. So I'm going to look at scriptures to see why I don't have to. Because even if the Bible doesn't use the word person coming from Mexico who doesn't have the proper documentation to be in America, you should treat them with kindness and love and compassion and help. Uh, even though the Bible doesn't say it specifically, the Bible says love your enemy. And I think that one right there trumps everything. <laughs> what right. does biblical love mean? What does having compassion, a heart of God mean? What for uh, uh, supplying for the needy? Jesus, Jesus told his disciples, yo, when, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was clothed, when I had no clothes, you gave me clothes. They'd be like, uh, when did we do that? And Jesus said, when you did it to these people, you've done it unto me. I think that trumps everything. That trumps everything. And so we have to begin to look at how the Bible say we approach the oppressed, needy people in general and allow that to be the springboard of our actions, our attitudes, our emotion, and eventually our policies and our laws. we got to start from that starting point. we got to. Right. But even, in, even if you're looking at... You know, when you look at the laws of Israel, mm. I mean, Christians always understood in history that these laws, I mean, we okay, so we're not Israel, right? So while the details of this law were for them at that particular time period and place, et cetera, and covenant that they had with God, but there is... Um, what, what the Westminster Confession would call a, a general equity, meaning that, that there is a general principles behind those laws that are still binding, mm -hmm. right, today. Um, and therefore, as such, the, when, when we look at any law in the United States, I don't know, Canada, Mexico, whatever country, we have, to, we have to be able to have something. We, we need to have a standard above the laws of the land whereby we can judge whether or not the laws of the lands are right or wrong. Because otherwise, Amen. Amen. I mean, what are we talking about here? Amen. I mean, just because some law is written somewhere, okay, I got to arbitrarily, randomly obey it because somebody Amen. says it. Amen. No. I mean, there have been all sorts of crazy laws throughout history. Yeah. So there has to be a standard beyond the laws of the land where we can judge it. And if you're a Christian, you have no higher standard than the Word of God, than the Bible. You know what I'm saying? And what you can interpret and deduce mm -hmm. from the scriptures. And we have in the scriptures a nation that had laws. Mm -hmm. Though they're not binding, 
you know, as at least in, in the detail or in the explicit sense in their covenant, the principles behind those laws are still there. There you go. That's it. As simple as that. That's it. And so that's how we know what is oppression, what is right or what is wrong, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when, when, when you look at things like immigration in the Bible, what the Bible calls strangers or forejourners, however you want to call it, sojourners, whatever, mm -hmm. um, what, what Israel was told by God to do, I think is pretty straightforward. And the Amen. principles that we can draw from that are pretty straightforward. Amen. Now, how do you adapt, adapt that thing to today? You know, well, here, let me read to you. Before I go around, I got, I got to read you a verse, obviously, because otherwise I'm talking <laughs> to the air. Um, what am I looking at here? Okay. Deuteronomy 23, 15, it says this. Slaves who have escaped to you from their owners shall not be given back to them. They shall reside with you in your midst, in any place they choose, in any one of your towns, wherever they please, you shall not oppress them. Mm. And so slaves that come to you from some foreign country, you're not to deport them back. So God says to Israel, they shall reside with you in your midst, in any place they choose, in any one of your towns, wherever they please, and you shall not opp oppress them. Now, that doesn't mean they can just invade anybody's home and house or whatever, but they can mm -hmm. basically abide anywhere they please in any of the 12 tribes in the land of Israel, and they're not to oppress them. Why? Because the Bible explicitly says then when foreigners come and dwell among you, they, they will be protected and or punished by the same law Based that protects on. and mm -hmm. punishes you. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's not a secondary or lesser class of citizens. Right. Um, you shall be protected. Now, the reason for that, God tells them, because you were foreigners in the land of Egypt mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. were treated as second citizens there. Mm -hmm. And I rescued you from that. And so Amen. you shall not treat a foreigner the way that you were treated when you right. were a foreigner in the land of Egypt. Because I am the Lord, your God. Furthermore, God also tells Israel. And this is off of memory because I forgot, I forgot where is that, but it's the, the Bible says, God tells Israel, you are sojourners in my land. Mm. In other words, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, Right into the land that you're in and you kicked out, you know, you're going to kick out all the people that are there, whatever, and you're going to settle that land. But that is my land. Mm -hmm. See, mm -hmm. you're immigrants in my land because mm -hmm. I own this land. See, mm -hmm. you didn't make the land. You didn't put the land together. I did that. And so your sojourners in my land. You see what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. when sojourners come and dwell among you, then you treat them, Right the way that I tell you to treat them, which right. is equally as you are, because right. you're sword, you're immigrants in my land. Yeah. And so if you expand that to the, to the Psalms, where the Bible says, um, the Lord is the earth, right? And all <laughs> is plenitude. The earth the is world, the Lord's, yeah. And whoever and inhabits there, it. it. 
So yeah. all of the land of all the world belongs to the mm-hmm. Lord, and we are basically all sojourners in His land, mm-hmm. anyways. <laughs> and 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 we flip that, right? Another thing, you know, I was listening to somebody preach on it. We're America, and I'm proud to be America, American. And I was born here, and this land is my land. And as an American citizen, we have rights that come to us because this is America. And you just, you coming from another country, you can't assume to have all our rights because this is America, this is America, this is America. And I'm like, okay, but the word of God, what's this, this is America stuff. You don't, you don't look at, when you look at scripture, and they, again, we're talking to folks in the body of Christ here. I ain't talking about no unsaved folks waving the flag, I'm American, American, that's, that's, that's cool with you. I'm talking you from the pulpit. You consider to be a peculiar person. This nation is not my own. I'm just a traveling through. Right. The basis for how you treat immigrants is summed up in your foundation that I'm American and this is America. And we have rights and stuff because we're American and I'm an American citizen. You're not a citizen. It's a privilege to be an American citizen. You have to end the dialogue and the conversation is around America, 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 which is nothing wrong with enjoying, with being thankful for the land you're in. I thank God every day that we're in a country that we can do this. We can have conversations about the word of God and not worry about uh, a Gestapo knocking on the door and dragging me or shooting me or taking my family. Right. But when that becomes the foundation for my decisions, America, 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 Jesus, God was like, yo, this is, you even sojourner on the land you own. That's not even your land. <laughs> right. I just found Leviticus 25, 23 yeah. says, The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. With yeah. me, you are but aliens and tenants. <laughs> so so you, you can have your pride, to your American pride or whatever, but when your American pride begins to usurp the principles of the word of God, you, preacher man, you, Christian person, you better back up. You need to pause that and reevaluate how you're approaching these topics from an American first perspective or from a Bible first, biblical first, God first perspective. And again, that changes the tone. That changes the starting point of the discussion. You know, from that to that, you, you listen to people and whenever you hear this, it's safety. Oh, we got to be safe. We got to protect America. We got to protect our children. Uh, it's a love for America. Our future is at stand. We got to have order. America's a, 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 yeah, a land a of law. That's just fear uh, and paranoia. Uh, you know, the, the criminals, the criminals coming in Mexico, the crime rate, and they're coming over here on MS-13. Right. And you can't have amnesty. You can't just have everybody just come here. It's just the fear and crime and fear and crime from the pulpit, right. from Christian folks, is where I have that problem and that discussion coming from. Because you're coming from, it's like, what's the position out there? We're going to back that position instead of coming with it from how God says you should approach these things. Right. And, 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 you know, I think our response from the body of Christ, and you talked about laws. Laws are important. We should have laws. But our laws should be compassionate and empowering and come from a foundation of aligning biblically instead of laws uh, exclusionary or, or, or largely uh, uh, punitive or just uh, to protect, protect, protect. The laws that we have have to be good laws. They have to be good laws. And the conversation comes in, okay, we have laws, but are they good laws? How do those laws line up with how God says? Because in the end, as you said, God's law trumps 
man's law. So when man law says that, Olu, because of the amount of melanin in your skin, you got to sit in the back of the bus. Olu, because of the amount of melanin in your skin, you have you can't use that water fountain. Oh, you can't sit at that register. Oh, you can't vote. Oh, we can hang you and we can go to court and we're going to get right out because it's no issue because you're black. Those laws that were set up, those laws that says that we're going to have segregation, those laws, when I look at those laws and how they align up with scripture, those laws do not line up with scripture. So therefore, though that was the law of the land, America's a land of laws. Yeah, has some pretty darn bad laws, some pretty laws, a pretty a wealth amount of laws that did not line right. up with scripture. And we have a mechanism to get rid of said laws. That's why you have amendments. That's why you, you, we, we knew that those laws were going to be perfect. So we made a, 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 a method to change those laws as time went. Because they also have to be timely. Laws have to be timely too. Sometimes things change and we got to change that law. Uh, so don't come to me with this, well, Romans 13 says, God, you're supposed to obey the law of the land. So my hands are tied. Get out. It's it's beyond that's that. Yeah, that's convenient. It's yeah, that. but also we we have to look at policy. We have to look at systems, mm -hmm. and we we yes. This the a lot of the issue with immigration because I'm you know I'm 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 pro immigration. I'm I'm, I'm pro immigrant. Uh, I you know refugees like I stand with all that. I'm I'm good with all that. But I also understand that immigration is not easy. Sure. I also understand that there, there are issues that lead to these immigration. And, you know, there's also consequences, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, you know, I'm all for things like whatever. Amnesty. I don't want family separated. I don't want cages in the border and mm -hmm. quasi concentration camps where they're keeping kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't want any of that. Okay. Or I don't adults. know why we have ICE. I don't know why we have an immigration, whatever, whatever they're called on top of border patrol, which is a separate agency on, mm -hmm. you know, it's like five different agencies that protect mm -hmm. the border. Mm -hmm. I think that's ridiculous. And just close basically all of them out. Um, yeah. Leave one. <laughs> If anything, um, but I also understand that I would like a Latin America that is prosperous and free, where people mm -hmm. don't have to pack up and leave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I would like our culture to be perpetuated, and I'm talking about Spanish-speaking Latin American culture. I would like it to thrive. I would like it to not that our solution for those of us who are from the South is to pack up our bags and come here. Mm -hmm. I wish our solution was different. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And the, it's a complicated issue, but a lot of it has to do with policies that, that come from here, that are backed up internationally by other places, and they're imposed upon certain peoples. Mm -hmm. And they create these problems mm -hmm. and meddling, backing dictators, siding with people during conflicts, you know, I mean, would you imagine if during the Civil War, 
I don't know, some one of the empires from Europe would have backed up one side, the U.S. You see what I'm saying? Like the, the mm -hmm. United States was allowed to solve an internal problem and move on mm -hmm. as a nation. Um, why is it that mo a lot of people are not allowed to do that anymore? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You know, people say, uh, you know, there's a, there's a civil war in Syria. We got to intervene. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't like people dying. United States had a civil war. Nobody intervened. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Let them solve that issue. And, and, and then to that point, the reason why we intervene. Right. If the reason why you intervene is because we have compassion for no. the oppressed. And we, we want to make sure that yeah. people are, are, we want to give them the strength. It's unfair what's going on over there. Right. So we, if that was the case, we could say, oh, well, we got some folks here that we can apply those resources toward. Right. But no, it's because there's something over there. If we do this, that would strategically place us here, who allows us to do this. Right. And again, it goes back to that underlying sin yeah. that has trickle-down effects. Right. Excuse the pun, the pun no People pun intended. People need to understand, Americans need to understand what are sanctions mm -hmm. and what they do to other countries. Mm -hmm. Because you, you watch the news, it's like, well, you know, we impose sanctions and such, such and such. Okay, whatever. You understand sanctions is an act of war. Mm. And then you're depriving people. You remember when you couldn't get toilet paper? <laughs> well, remember, imagine not getting food. Imagine mm. not getting medicine. Because mm. the global system of economics is bound to the U.S. dollar and mm -hmm. the bankers in London and Wall Street who control it. Mm -hmm. So when you are placing sanctions, you, your people are starving for a mm. long time. And you're not allowed to grow economically. And you're in your and and each decades that you're in sanctions that pass by, you go back behind. And for you to come back up and catch up is gonna take you forever. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Those are acts of war. Mm -hmm. And nations go around, especially the United States and its allies, imposing sanctions on people left and right. Mm -hmm. And then when those peoples on those countries uh, have no other choice and to try to flee and go somewhere else, then we also want to keep them from coming in yeah. and just keep them over there. So we, and, we, we, we set them on fire and then we close the door so they can get out of the room. We just want them yeah. to burn and die over there. And you make a good point that we forget. This whole immigration discussion, it's about people. Right. It's, it's people. And, and, and you need to break that down to a person right. and attach a face and eyes and ears and mouth and nose and mama and father and kids because that's what we're talking about. And so these, like you said, we heard uh, sanctions, United States put sanctions on or uh, we backed this coup Iraq or, or we, or, or this country did such and such and we did this, we did that. We, we think of it at this high level, like, oh, there we go with some sanctions. I don't even know what that is. Right. Or, oh, we put this embargo. Oh, I don't even know what that is. In the end, people are being affected. And God's heart is not with this, the establishments. God didn't die for establishments. God didn't die for the powers that be. God died for people. And we, as a body of Christ, are toned toward immigration and this issue 
has to come from the biblical perspective and it has to come to the perspective that we're talking about people. These are humans. These are people who are created in the image of God. And if we as the body of Christ had that, then we could be more influential in, like you said, policy is important. You got to have policy. Right. You got to have laws. No one's debating that. But our policies and our laws have to come from a place that we understand that how this, this thing is scripture. going to affect people, the word of God, how it's going to script the people that God's care for. I but mean, the, look at the, the laws are, are enacted by politicians. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. politicians are supported. Mm -hmm. In the United States, the so-called, whatever, Christian caucus or evangelical caucus is a pretty significant quote -unquote, mm -hmm. political power. Mm -hmm. And so... Why do we back the peoples who enact these policies? Mm -hmm. Right? Because we complain about we can't let Mexicans in because of the, the cartels and the drug cartels and the criminals and blah, blah, Take blah. Take our jobs and the rapists okay. and the MS-13. Drug cartels exist because of the drug war and drug prohibition. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. It's a black market, which wasn't before. When it's pushed into the black market, there's risks involved, there's competition. And so you create black enterprises such as cartels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, biblically, there's a separation between vices and crimes. The Bible condemns drunkenness as a sin and will send you to hell. There is no legislation or civic law given to Israel to punish drunkards. Mm -hmm. Right. Because addictions and vices are not crimes because unless it produces a victim. Right. So if if a drunken man in Israel, I don't know, got into a fight with some guy and killed him. So, yes, he's he's to be he's to be put to death for murder. But not for the drunkenness, because vices in the Bible are not crimes because vices are a moral issue, which then enters into, you know, the secret things belong to the Lord, but <laughs> what is revealed belongs to us that we should obey. In other words, the secret sins of the heart, the lust mm -hmm. and the whatever, the civic law does not punish, right. right? The moral law does, right? And God will. So why are we putting people in cages because they have a drug addiction. See, that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. That's created a huge problem. Because the drug war has... You know, I was listening to a, a podcast of these two, I think it was three church leaders. One was white, two were, were black. And they're talking about the whole issue as to, you know, the, the racial stuff that's happening in the United States and all of that. Mm -hmm. and, and the white pastors like, well... There are going to be some people that are going to tell you things like fatherlessness in the black community, right? You know, there's, a, there's a lot of fatherlessness in the black community. And the two, you know, I think they were pastors or associate pastor. Um, the two black pastors, you know, went on, gave different reasons and all that. And throughout the whole conversations, I'm just basically saying to myself, the war on drugs, the war on drugs. The war on drugs. Why is there fatherlessness in the black community? The war on drugs. The war on drugs. The war on drugs. Because you live in a community that is oppressed. You live in a community that is over-policed. And if you get caught smoking marijuana, 
and you're black, you're not, you don't get the same break that if you're white in a suburb mm -hmm. and you get caught smoking marijuana. So you're or thrown cocaine. into prison. <laughs> and once you're in the system, now you have a record. So now mm -hmm. you can't get a job. Mm -hmm. And then you have three strike laws. So now you're mm -hmm. put in prison for a longer time. And so now you can't raise your kids because daddy is in prison or mm -hmm. because daddy can't get a job. And so the only way to make, to make any money is to go back and try to sell weed because it's the only industry. Because, you know, the war on drugs devastated the black community and it's devastated a lot of Latin America, Mexico, mm -hmm. Colombia, and all these places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that is a policy that is not based on any biblical law, no biblical structure. You know, people who have addiction should be treated with the gospel, not with cages and chains and not creating a black market of murderers. I mean, alcohol, what was Al Capone murdering people left and right in Chicago for? <laughs> alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol. Drive-bys in broad mm -hmm. daylight. Broad daylight. Drive-bys were not invented by black folks in Compton. It was invented in Chicago. Tommy guns. Yeah. yeah. And it ended when that ended. Mm -hmm. They just moved it to another yeah. substance. Right. You know, heroin was legal back then. Marijuana was legal back then. Uh, name it. So oppressive laws and bad laws are not biblical beget oppression. Mm -hmm. Systems of oppression begets sin, which begets sin, which begets sin. We got to get to the root of it. Gotta no, get to the root. I don't like drugs. I don't like people taking drugs. I don't like drug addiction. I don't like the prohibition either because the prohibition and throwing people in cages and ruining their lives over a consuming a substance rather than treating them with the gospel is not the solution to drug addiction. I mean, we know it's not. Yeah. Look at our jails. Look at our communities. Or Look like they're Mexico. turning they're turning this the, this new addiction of meth and opiates into yeah. well, that's a problem. We right. have to reach out and help those people. Right. Because it's a it's yeah, an because addiction. it's a different like, demographic. That's what about a, crack, though? I mean, right. <laughs> is, this, is that that's just some fun-loving crack? Is that is that what that was going on? No, yeah, it's a different demographic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it goes down to like we said before. There's a lot of underlying things right. that surround this. When you look at the people who are benefiting from immigration, oh yeah, the businesses, the the construction businesses, the, the meat businesses, the cartels. I, I, but I'm talking about even the legal businesses, right? The legal businesses who are using immigrant labor, mm. paying them whatever they want to pay to get rid of, right. under the threat of, don't tell, don't do this, we'll let you go. Right. I mean, I have a, 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 one of my uncles, my wife's uncle, has a church uh, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a, a state that is filled. There's a lot of uh, chicken plants and meat plants, but it's filled with people in this church, people in these places who have Im immigrants who right. are here without the documentation to be yeah, here. Yeah, illegal, yeah. And, 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 and you have that, but these companies know that. Of course. And they don't care because the business is moving, they're making their money. You got farmers, you got people in Texas, you got, like I said, construction workers during the time of when all those hurricanes was coming through here. How many construction people were going out and picking up these people, these folks who didn't have the documentation and mm -hmm. using them, knocking these roofs off in, in minutes? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I remember through Katrina, we had a right. crew come through. They was not from New Orleans. I tell you that. Right. They came through, knocked that roof down in like a couple of hours, and they was out. And, right. and we, we, we used the labor. 
we we mm. we, we enjoy the labor. It's exploitation. Exploitation of it. You know, if if this was a big deal, I, I say I've said this often. This was a big deal to our governments, and we have to be stronger at the border. This is real simple. All those companies, right. you know, those lobbyists who are employing those people. If you really want to shut this down, don't find them. Forget fit on them. Find them eight billion dollars and snatch right. the keys. I promise you it'll shut it down. Shut down. You don't even I promise you to shut it down. You don't build a wall. Oh no no. Oh, if we if we find there's even one person who's there in this country undocumented who works at your facility, you get an eight billion dollar fine and we're snatching the keys. But right. that's not the issue. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. It's we got to keep this rhetoric going. We got to keep this fear on the one side. We or we elections. have to give, yeah. yeah. Or we have to keep this false perception of we care about the people. Oh, you those people in cages pulling up pictures of 20 years ago of a boy standing halfway in a cage. We can't have people in cages. Oh my goodness, we got like come on. Stop, stop. And again, my problem is when the body of Christ begins to attach themselves to that rhetoric, that propaganda on both sides. Instead of treating the people, and I think when I started a conversation with uh, uh, my view on this has changed. If I've matured in Christ, if I've studied, if I've talked, had conversation with people, I initially was not seeing it from a perspective of a person. You know, I was looking at it from a perspective of the law. And, 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 you know, I don't want to be mean to anybody, but it was more like a, what you going to do? You know, but as you begin to study scripture, you see God's heart all through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, there's an ethic of compassion. It's right. clear. A compassion. God is a compassionate God, and he commands us, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. He commands us to extend who he is through to all people. And so I have to have compassion in my laws. I have to have compassion in my policy. I have to have compassion in my approach. I have to have empathy. I have to have care. I have to have biblical love. I have to have those things as a person of the body of Christ. And that has to be the foundation of how I approach this. Not from the, not from the view of punitive, hey, it's the law. What you gonna do? They're taking our jobs. Uh, uh, you gotta be careful. You know, you got, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Americans commit crimes too, by the way. Americans raping folks too and getting off. And, and you know, I don't know if you care. Also, and, the well, thing, you, you, not, you never know the future. Mm -hmm. um, if I have conversations with people that, that they tell me they want a wall and they want to close the border to everybody. And I remember telling, telling somebody, so, you know, a board keeps people from coming in. <laughs> but it also keeps people from going out. <laughs> you never know mm -hmm. when you have to immigrate and you have to mm -hmm. back up and leave. Mm -hmm. You never mm -hmm. know when that's going to happen. Um, and don't think that that cannot happen. That very well could happen. Yeah. Um, especially if you're African-American. Yeah. There may be a time you may have to, you may want to leave. So you have to be careful, again, with the, the rhetoric, because Israel disobeyed all the laws that God gave them, mistreated mm. the foreigners, mistreated mm. the sojourners. Mm. So they ended up again as sojourners in Babylon and in Assyria. So you never know when you also have to become an yeah. immigrant. And that's something that most people in this country don't think about. Yeah. You never know that.
You because the world's been around for a long time and God's been around even longer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And you never know. So you have to be careful with the rhetoric. And if you're a Christian also, um, the job of the church is the Great Commission and to bring the gospel to every creature. Mm-hmm. I really don't understand. I mean, God is bringing people to mm. the church mm. in Western countries. Mm. But the, the reaction is to kick him back. The mainstream reaction, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, not going into the world, but, you know, people <laughs> are coming over to you. They're <laughs> coming to you. And you're kicking them back. Um, And in European countries, for example, there's immigration. The the immigrants, even the Muslim immigrants, are more open to receiving the gospel than the natives. And you see that statistically. I mean, you go to France, you go to a French church, it's dead. But you go to a Mm. Haitian church in France, and it's on fire. (laughs) <laughs> People talk about in England, you know, the, the church is dying. Yeah. The white church, go to a Jamaican church in England. Or go to a, a, a you know, a black church in, in London. They're all over the place. And they're huge. And they're on fire. You see, you see the same thing in New York. New York, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, go to the, the mainstream churches in, in New York and they're all dead. But go to the Bronx. Or go to, you know, whatever, Brooklyn or whatever. You go to a school meeting on Brooklyn. You see people holding hand and praying. Why? Those are immigrants. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so as, as, as Europe is dying, and only population-wise, because it's not like these countries are growing population-wise either. Right. They're dying. Right. right. Um, the 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 gospel future is with is with the immigrants it's with the people of colors like the, the gospel the future of the gospel statistically if you look at it it's in the south it's mm. in latin america africa asia and the and in in the north is amongst those communities who live in the north mm. so all i'm trying to say is you know Immigrants and colored peoples are going to be around for a long time. Because always have been. Because always the, will be. The gospel is moving <laughs> in those areas. Yeah. Going into the future. Statistically, it's projected to go that way. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's where it's going. So, I, you know, the reaction of the church to me in many places, including this one, but in other places too, it's, it's, almost entirely opposite of of what it should be per the scriptures amen per the scriptures and you don't have to you don't have to go all the way to the opposite side quote unquote sure you can stay within the parameters of the bible amen as simple as that so people say what are you know come here and they commit crimes that's easy you (laughs) you you punish them. <laughs> well, our, our prisons are full. Well, yeah, 
because we have because stupid laws. Because <laughs> there are folks in there who had a house of weed. <laughs> for no reason. They had a nickel bag right. that says in jail for five so years. So we could empty our prisons uh-huh. by getting proper laws, mm-hmm. right? And then we can punish the true crimes when people commit them. So, or those ICE facilities, those ICE uh, right. det- detention facilities that we have 3,000 beds in each one of right. those across the country that we're holding people for two years, three years, four right. years because they're still going through the quote unquote uh, 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 process to deport them back. Let them folks out and we'll put the criminals in there. We got some extra beds. Right. You got a whole bunch of them. It's, it's just there. Right. Um, when you look at, and, and you know, a lot of times you hear Romans 13, Romans 13, Romans 13, obey authority, you got to obey authority. The Bible, it's a country of laws, the Bible says. What's interesting is, and you see this a lot in false, or I would say inherit, in, what's the word? Her, her, heretical? Heretical? Heretical. <laughs> in, in heretical. In heretical. In heretical. Uh, discussions, looking at one scripture, pulling it out from its context, and then building your platform going on that. You know, when you look at Romans 13 and Paul says, hey, uh, there's no authority up to God. You must submit to the government authorities. The context was he's talking about the Christian, how we should react. That Even that verse, and like I said before, there are 44 books before we get to Romans 13, how the right. Bible says we should treat immigrants, and, and, and we conveniently skip over all of that and, and run to this one. But it's funny, chapter 12, right before Romans 13, Paul tells them, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He starts off saying that. So before we even get to, do not be conformed to this world system, to the world's rhetoric, to the world reasons, to how the world approaches things, but be transformed by the renewing of mind. He says, don't, be, don't follow hypocrisy. Don't, don't, don't follow hypocrisy. Don't, don't follow these people or have these ideologies as based on being a hypocrite. He talks about living in harmony, rejoicing. And then he gets to that about government authorities. And then right after that, verse 8, he talks about love again. Don't owe anything, don't owe anyone anything but love. The, the commandments, all the commandments, man's law, God's law, he said, which trumps man's law, is summed up with this. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is a fulfillment of the law. So the law that we get so attracted to in Romans 13 about when we got to obey your governing authority, Jesus said, oh, by the way, my authority, my law is all wrapped up into love. And you make sure that love doesn't do wrong to his neighbor. When they asked Jesus who was his neighbor after he gave the story about the Good Samaritan, he said, Who's, oh, let me tell you who your neighbor is. The person who's struggling, the person who needs help, the person. Jesus said, when you do this unto them, you do it unto me. Love trumps law. God's love trumps law. Not conforming to man's law, what he said in Romans 12, trumps law, man's law. Before chapter 13, chapter 12, verse 9, says, Mm. let love be genuine, hate Mm -hmm. what is evil, hold fast Mm -hmm. to what is good. Mm-hmm. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Mm-hmm. Do not mm-hmm. lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality, hospitality. to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. 
Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live, live, live peaceably mm. with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Nor if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's all yeah. before Romans yeah. 13. And, and in remember, Romans 13. We put the chapters. We put the chapters in there. Right. The, we put this the is chapters. one. This right. is one continuous thought that Paul is saying throughout this. And then he says, let every person be subject after all of that to governing mm -hmm. authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers, so he's speaking to rulers, mm -hmm. are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. So being a stranger, based on what he just said, is not bad mm -hmm. conduct. Mm -hmm. And so the mm -hmm. state is not to be a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Mm -hmm. Do you wish to have no fear of the authority? Then do what is good and you will receive its approval for it is God's servant for your good. So the purpose of the authorities is to be a, a minister of God for the good of the people. But if you do what is wrong, you should be afraid for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. It is a servant of God to execute wrath on the wrongdoer. Mm -hmm. So moving from one land to the other biblically is not wrongdoing defined by the scriptures. And so if the state uses the sword for wrongdoing, it's acting contrary to the dictates God of God. Surrounded by right. love. And, and some people will say, well, you know, no, America is not really a Christian country. You know, we don't expect Congress right. to write Bible wrong. laws. <laughs> but God still expects right. us. And we, we, because God's law trumps man's law. Right. We have to understand that. So when I have conversation with people and they go right to, well, the law says, don't, Christian folk, don't start there. Start above that. Start God's law. And then we'll get down to the law of the land because then we have to evaluate whether the law of the land lines up with the law of God because that's what trumps us. So, uh, and, and, you know, especially now, the, the rhetoric has already begun. You got Trump saying things, you got Biden saying things, you got folks saying they said this and he said right. that, especially when it's come to integration thing. And, and I'm going to lie, if you look at what they, they called Obama the, uh, uh, the, the chief of deport, deportation. deportations yeah. because of how many people he yeah, like deported out of the country. Yeah. people. Yeah. That he kicked out of the country. He you built the cages. Trump. The cages. Yeah, the cages that right. they're attributing to Trump. They he were there it. before he got in office. Right. <laughs> Trump just used them. But then you got Trump, who's saying atrocities and, 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 and rhetoric and continuing to stir up fear and putting in, by executive order, uh, 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 things that are legal to put in place for purposes of instilling fear, for purposes of, of, of separating families so that you can tell your friends, we can't go to America no more because look what they're right. doing to them over there. You know, and, and putting these, uh, well, listen, we're having, what's they call it? No, uh, what is it called? No tolerance laws? Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, no tolerance laws. So from jaywalking to 
uh, murder. If you over here and you're not supposed to be here, we could care less. That you was your parents brought you here. You was but immigration from Mexico is flat, though. That's the thing that is insane about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But but that but that's how you conjure up right. the fear Remember the, and the conversation. What happened the to caravans? the caravans? They were coming. Remember the, the millions of people? Invaders was the, the term invaders? I used. Where they the went? The caravans are invading. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Those folks was cool. They got in and I don't know what happened. We stopped talking about it. I don't think. <laughs> I think it was like 30 people. <laughs> yeah, it was probably one of 30. But it definitely wasn't. The millions of right. the that yeah. we were being told, and it's that rhetoric that is the body of Christ we cannot align to. We have to approach this differently, and I truly believe it comes approaching it from the mind of these are people who are created in God's image, right. and because of that, I have to extend to them the compassion, the love of God to these people. And so because we, develop, we have influence politically mm -hmm. politicians are going to do whatever is expedient for them mm -hmm. to be in power like you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying like mm -hmm. politicians mm -hmm. are not going to do they're not going to go against what everybody you know i mean they probably will but they they're going to have to sneak it in somehow right they can't right. do it openly and if the church had would exert, you know, proper pressure, you will see a lot of this go away. But mm -hmm. we're in the wrong side of the, yeah. of the equation. We're in the wrong side. Because we, we picked a side. Right. Instead of God's side. If we as a body of Christ will stay on God's side, we will always be on the right side. Right. But unfortunately, we pick, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, or I'm a liberal on this one, because I'm on God's side. That's how we're supposed to approach it. And when you look at the scripture, uh, somebody said this, uh, I was reading, the main truth in God is God's concern uh, uh, with the vulnerable, the needy, the disenfranchised, whoever they are, and whatever caused the situation, because each of them was created in the image of God. That's where we have mm -hmm. to start the conversation. We have to start from there. We have to approach it there. You know? And I was talking to my wife the other day. We were watching this um, a documentary on immigration. It was on Netflix, uh, uh, and it's just showing... What happened after Trump started the the, uh, the the edict that you know is no tolerance and and all the things and the re ice getting all this power back and able to do all this and start right. just looking at that and looking at the people and, and the different stories and the different understandings and we talked about um, uh, 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 just attaching that these are humans to this and when we look at I was talking the other day you go back to the civil rights movement. A lot of the changes that happened in the 60s was because television. Uh, folks up north and folks around the world start to see. They heard about it. It was probably going on. But they started to see them opening fire hoses and black folks spinning down the streets. Right. They started to see on TV dogs being sicked on black folks and biting little girls and biting little boys and ripping them up. They started to see that. And you had your king and you had your Malcolm, and you had your uh, Garvey, and you had your 
Dubois and your Booker T. Washingtons and you had your, your SNCC and you had your NAACP and you had your Cleaver and you had your Black Panther Party. And you had all these people who was trying to shine a light of it and change, change, and change. And you had King and them who were saying, we're going to go to D.C. and we're going to go to these presidents and we're going to put force on them. We're going to say, you got to change these laws. You got to change these laws. And it was a combination of seeing, humanizing what was happening, combination of the body of Christ saying, you know what? <laughs> this don't line up with what's right. A combination of us putting pressure on the politicians that these laws that you guys are backing, the law of the land, America's a nation of laws, we gotta have laws, those laws are bad laws. And it was a combination of seeing, humanizing it, understanding that these are people, putting pressure on the politicians to change the law, and the body of Christ coming together and saying, uh, we will overcome. And all of those yeah, things helped change. Yeah, but that was a church. All that organizing happened in church. Yeah. That's not the way it is anymore. That's, that's the point. You see what I'm that's saying? my like, point. Don't, that's my point. That, that type of organizing that brought about the civil rights movement and the changes happened in church. We're too those busy with other things. Churches organizing. Yeah, we don't no. have that anymore. No, you know what I'm no. saying. That's that's the devil's trick. We we you know he learns the tactics. Mm -hmm. We forget them. And, and instead of that, what's happening is we're bringing those politicians into the church. Right. And so we got you know Hillary Clinton on the talking about some with a, all of a sudden she gets a southern accent. And, and right. she's in the play, these black churches saying these stuff. We got Donald Trump or, or uh, Franklin Graham and 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 and, and uh, what's Falwell's son. You know, bringing all these Republicans into the church, into the area, and having these conversations and swelling it up, and it's like, but wait a minute, that's 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 not how this is supposed to be. We are supposed to be leading the charge. We got the kingdom. We got the truth. Right. I'm I'm not going to base my church and our beliefs and what our rhetoric on what these outside politicians or policies are saying. That's not how it works. But we we changed. And because of that, we're where we are, and mm -hmm. and and, and uh, um, we're not revolutionary we, we anymore. We're just no, no more, no more. But yeah. we gotta be, we gotta be. All right, um, we could do a part two, three, four, five on this man because there's so much stuff that we didn't even get to. Right. Uh, um, but again, I, I like the conversation. I like to keep it as a conversation. The, the thing about these issues is, they, and here's the other problem: they're they're complicated. Oh, my goodness. And all political issues in the United States in the media are simple. simple. They have to be simplified. Mm -hmm. It's just, just that simple. And, and if, if it's not a talking point, then forget it. We, we mm -hmm. not even get into that. Mm -hmm. and, so, mm -hmm. and then everything gets turned into a culture war. And things like material conditions and stuff like that is out of the equation. So mm -hmm. this is the point. And it's all a talking point And it's all like simply... Uh, you know, simplified. And when you get issues that are complicated, as this one is, as the issue with race and the police and all that, those are yeah. complicated issues. Yeah. And if you're going to handle them biblically, you know, you have to work through them, you know. Got to. In, a, in, in, all, of, in all of their complexity. And we don't have time for that. And that's a problem. So everything gets simplified and everything just basically yeah. is a yes and no. Well, sometimes the, the, the answer is more than just a yes or a no. Yep. It takes a little more time. But we and sometimes it. it's not one solution for the whole thing. Exactly. 
like you said, what happens when the illegals come, they commit crime, what are we going to do? Oh, okay. Right. We, we, we do what we do with criminals. That doesn't right. mean we have to treat everybody like criminals because some people are coming over because they need a job. Some people are coming over because of this, this, this. Right. But that's too complicated. Yes, yes, it is. So don't look for a simple solution. So is the Bible. Problem. Ooh, don't get it. Don't, you know don't even saying? start with this thing. So is the Bible. <laughs> don't even start. It's not a simple and, thing. And what's going on in society, God is still sovereign. So right. even in what we consider as complex or too complex or too hard, God is sitting back like, no, nah, I gave you this. Right. I gave you this and the principles. Let's, let's follow them. Oh, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves. You're going to have to have some conversations. You're going to have to be uncomfortable. You're going to have right. to go places that you don't want to go. You're going to have to exactly. tolerate some things that you don't want to tolerate. Right. You're going to have to be comfortable with things you want to comfortable. But hey, like he said, this ain't your land. This my land. Right. You're just a sojourner. You're, you're just passing through. Yep. You still got to do what I say. And that's what we said we said when we, when we committed our life to Christ. We said, God, we're going to follow you. But these things I'm going to hold on to because I feel more comfortable with this. Anyways. Hit us up. Comments. Our email is ecclesia at the gate at gmail.com. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Comments, questions, refutations. You can respond on Facebook Responses. or even on the, um, on the, what's the name? You can put comments on the, on the podcast. Comments too. on the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah, We're on right, everywhere, right. right? We're on iTunes. We're on all the uh, platforms. Just hit us up. Questions, answers, ideas, topics you would like us to cover. And we'll look at them and answer them as we go and take it all in. All right. God bless. Peace. Peace.